Kia ora, it's Fano, Haramai, and welcome to The Word, or Te Kupu, with me, your host, Christopher Fonroy. Today, on the 18th of May, 2022, oh my god, this was a podcast I'd been looking forward to for so long. I was supposed to interview Carlos in late December, but we had technical difficulties, unfortunately. Um, but he graciously offered another hour to us. And it was really in a fantastic conversation. Carlos is also known as the Malibu artist. He is one of the greatest drone operators and filmers and photographers of whales and sharks, dolphins, any type of aquatic marine life out there. Carlos is well known within the shark circles um, for catching some of the most incredible footage of juvenile great white sharks in and around the beaches of Southern California. And we talk extensively about his experience of filming and the encounters he's had. And he's led us in on a new footage that he's got of seven great white sharks and 12 dolphins standing off and interacting with each other. Footage that's gonna be coming out next week, along with some other exciting news that he wasn't able to share with us, but he says it's going to rock the shark world to its foundations in the next month. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, yeah, I've been a long admirer of Carlos's. Uh, we've got a mutual acquaintance, Adam Skolnick, who he did a project with as well, which we discuss in the podcast. But yeah, you can hear his passion and enthusiasm, and hopefully we'll get him down to Rakiura Island, Stewart Island in the South Island, to film some great white sharks there in the Fulvo Strait. So without further ado, please welcome Carlos to the podcast. Enjoy. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yep. Gotcha. I think the tr- the trick is, Carlos, that we need to keep the the anchor tab open. I think the minute you click out of that, something goes a little bit strange. Oh, okay. Um, so how are you doing, man? Is it midday there in California at the it moment? It is midday. I'm, I'm trying to get over a cold, so you're, you're going to have to uh, edit out my coughs. <laughs> okay. It makes it more authentic. Um, are you still going to go out today? Uh, um, you know, it depends on on um, conditions. I haven't even looked at conditions. I've yeah, I've been so wrapped up in another project that I didn't even check today. Another shark. What? Project. So what? Another shark. What? Do you, so what are the conditions ideal? During the best footage. Uh, normally, I don't want clouds in the sky. That's just the okay. one thing I don't want um, to capture clear footage. I I just don't like the the clouds in the sky just because it leaves a a really weird glare on the surface of the water and you really just can't see very good and i use polarizers in all my footage so oh wow there's only so much you can you can get by with i was gonna say if it's really bright sunny don't you get some type of a glare off the surface no no my polarizers clear that off i can see right into the water it's it's the clouds that are the the problem so and then wind, of course, um, surface, uh, the you know the surface of the water if it's calm is ideal. Any texture from the wind kind of ruins the the visuals too. You there? Yeah, yep, I'm here. So when it's windy, it must be harder to operate the drone as well. Uh, not necessarily. It's- it's it's basically um uh the, the drones are very very stable these days we're living in a very exciting time uh, for drone for, uh, aerial technology yeah the, the the drones even the smallest ones these days have have really just leaps and bounds better than even two years ago it's incredible so when did you first get your first drone and played around with it has it been a, were you part oh, of man, the first I, I want to say it was early 2016. I don't remember exactly, okay. but but uh, yeah, it was. I, I'm a self-professed nerd, so anytime new technology comes out, <laughs> I want to try it out. Nice. 
And that was specifically also with cameras back then? Nah, it would have been without. No, back then you had to actually put a GoPro on the on the drone. Yeah, yeah. Of the, so now you've got a camera on the drone and you operate it with your phone? Is that the way? And you've got that mask on. Well, you can operate it with your drone, but uh, I prefer to use a 10-inch tablet. I use um, just a Samsung tablet. Uh, yeah. And uh, I prefer to have a, a larger screen. And I, what looks like a giant mechanism is actually just a hood. So I, I put a – Yeah. I get this uh, hood that makes the screen – you know, makes everything dark, cuts out all the glare, and I look into it. It looks kind of funny from – to yeah, the regular onlooker on the beach. Yeah, yeah it looks like really Darth hilarious. Vader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, do people ever come up to you and they're like, uh, what, what on earth? Oh, it's not oh, Halloween. Man, I've had people, I've had people come up to me and ask me, why are you playing video games on the beach? Or ah, um, there's so much nature out here. Why are you in your tablet? You know, and I'm like, like uh, so look funny. at the nature. I'm over nature right now. Like it's <laughs> about as natural as it gets. And, um, exactly. so you, you know, some no people one. laugh, you know, it looks or don't people do hover sometimes. Which is kind yeah. of funny, I, you know. I notice, like, why is this person just hanging out out of the corner of my eye, and I'm looking in here. Um, yeah. And honestly, I personally, as a drone pilot, I don't like when um, when folks want to start a conversation when I'm looking into no, you're my monitor. Yeah, yeah, I got a very expensive machine in the air. Sometimes I'm flying just three feet above the water to get some of the shots I get, and. Um, you know, the slightest push down, I can end up in the water. So uh, that's the last thing I want. And I think, but most people are pretty friendly. Um, they'll realize that I give them my full attention once I've landed the drone. But if I'm in the air, I'll usually just say, give me a, a few minutes. Um, I've, I've got a drone in the air right now. You cut out. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Mm, you cut out again. Strange. Are you on Wi-Fi? I can't hear you. Test one, two. Don't know if you can hear me. I can hear you definitely. Okay, perfect. I can't I can, hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when when that happens, I can actually hear you, Carlos. So if you just keep okay. talking. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's because I live I live extremely rurally here in New Zealand and the Wi Fi ah. is absolutely terrible. So it's definitely <laughs> no on problem. my side. Um, no I was problem. saying that you probably will know like people kind of know who you are in some of the spots that you go to because you frequent yeah, there's a few beaches that I'll I'll frequent, and um, I I would say almost every time I'm at the beach, someone will come up and say, "Hey, are you the are you the shark drone guy?" Sorry about that. <laughs> no, oh good, that was my side. I mean, it tells me I've got full Wi-Fi, but you never oh, know. Oh no, yeah, I don't know. I I just coughed into your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing with that awesome microphone. Um, so <laughs> yeah, clear? shark. Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Shark drone guy, that's what they know you as. And I was going to ask, in 2016, were you doing the same type of footage over the ocean, or were you just flying the drone around and operating it on land when you first started? Uh, I've always just been doing it over the ocean. It actually, it was um, more based around gray whales. So in the spring, yeah. uh, I would spend most of my evenings just filming the gray whale migration here in Malibu. Wow. And so you knew the times and everything for that? Oh, yeah. The, the, the wells start showing up in January and all the way until even now here in May, you get the stragglers still coming through. And they're, they're basically anywhere between, you know, 20 and 100 meters from shore. Wow. And so when you're filming now, is that you must get quite a lot of that footage as well then. Is there an overlap? Uh, you know, I have not filmed a gray whale and a shark together in one frame. I've, I've, 
you know, when I started filming Great White Sharks, I wasn't um, nearly as good as I am now at it. Yeah. And I didn't recognize the uniqueness of certain shots. So I've only seen a gray well next to a great white shark one time. That was in yeah. March. I remember the day, March 8th of 2019. And, wow. Um, but I've not seen that scene again. And, and I always kick myself for not lifting the drone up and getting both in the frame at the same time. Um, and so was that a juvenile? Great yeah, white or yeah, predominantly yeah. most of the sharks I film are juvenile. Yeah. So is there a breeding area around Malibu or the areas that you film? Is there a breeding ground or is the whole area basically? So Southern California for the most part is a big giant juvenile great white shark uh, nursery area. So yeah. there's specific coves, specific estuaries where the sharks like to uh, aggregate. And I've kind of pinpointed some of those with the help of some scientists as well. Um, I, I go to those and I, I just film, I do surveys and I, I count the sharks and um, I'll report out occasionally to some of the scientists I work with. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's mainly juvenile sharks as far as breeding grounds. We don't know. That's the golden ticket yeah. to shark research. We don't know where they actually give birth, but yeah. they have to be somewhere near here because the number of juvenile sharks showing up on our coast is pretty astonishing. Yeah. And so do you also, can, do you recognize the sharks when you see them from their body shape or because they're not tagged yet, are they? Um, some are tagged. Uh, some are not tagged. I, I can tell you that Every shark has a unique identifier, you know, their dorsal yeah. fin. Uh, but I don't always get the clearest shot of the dorsal fin. No. I, I usually use different scars, different um, colors even of their of their uh, skin. Yeah. Uh, most of the sharks have kind of different colored skin, believe it or not. So there's yeah. a lot of sharks that have specific markings that I use to, to identify them and know that oh i've seen this one um la just last week actually there was a shark i've seen pretty much this whole year and then last week it showed up with a giant scar on top of his head like a really wow. big scar and it's a very unique one i've not shared the footage anywhere outside the scientific community uh but it, it's definitely uh, a man-made scar for the most part is really consensus is yes it's a very unique scar on top of its head but it's from a boat or from an actual human striking it um you know at first i thought it was a cookie cutter shark yeah and uh but you know after showing it to some scientists the the bite what i thought was a cookie cutter bite because it's a perfectly circular uh scar that's fresh yeah. it's red and then the skin is lifted up you can see like something went in and like like a shovel it looked like went into it wow um but it's not a cookie cutter. It's just too big of a, a hole for it to be a cookie cutter. And the yeah. consensus is that it it's a man-made injury. Um, Spearfishers. I, yeah, it could be that. I started um, looking into it a little more, and I had a discussion with uh, Allison Towner down in South Africa, and she actually yeah. suggested something um, very interesting, which was uh, maybe it's a, a powerhead for spearfishing. Yeah. But um, – uh, I looked into that a little closer, uh, and it looks like it's probably too big to be a powerhead. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not a spear fisherman. I don't know. Uh, and, you know, once I went down that wormhole looking at what the possible yeah. injury is, I started thinking about what I've seen at the beach recently. Now, there's a few things happening here in Southern California. One is you have a lot of boats chasing sharks. So it definitely yeah. could be the, you know, it could have been struck by not a prop, but by the boat itself. Yeah. Uh, and then there, I'm seeing uh, the foil, hydrofoilers. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So that got me really thinking about what, what is a possibility that a hydrofoiler hit this? And so if you ask anywhere, people will tell you, no, no, the hydrofoil, no, that's the sharks will move out of the way. But, but that, yeah. if you look on the internet, uh, you yeah. can clearly see uh, videos of hydrofoilers, uh, hydrofoilers hitting a shark. Really? And it's a yeah. There's a video of that. Uh, if you just Google it, yeah. Um, and 
once you look at that video and then you see the shape of the the fin on the hydrofoil you start to wonder man it's more than likely that that could be it it's quite sharp it's a quite a very sharp like a shovel and that's yeah. exactly oh, yeah. what this injury looks like i, I tell you when i release the video it's probably going to be controversial because i'm going to say that the likelihood is probably a man-made yeah um, hydrofoiler and that community is getting big and they, they're probably well, not going to take too nicely to it yeah well hey that's that's a good thing that you get that out there because they're silent aren't they so in that sense the sharks not necessarily hearing them coming up on them or do they have motors um i believe no. they have motors i i'm actually I have no idea how they work. I just know that they have a giant shovel-looking thing underwater, and yeah. it is, you know, you along the water with the the full force of human weight on top. If that yeah. hits you going thirty miles an hour, it's going to leave a big shovel-looking yeah. hole in you. And so, have you seen an increase of this type of hydrofoiling? Oh, yeah. oh really? In fact, so it's caught there was on. a YouTube video a couple months ago of a hydrofoiler. Um, going through a shark nursery with great white sharks around him and he's just hauling butt through it and it was just a video saying oh i was hydrofoiling today and um yeah there happened to be these sharks in malibu and i'm passing through them and but then the video got pulled down i believe because i could never see it again um, oh really so yeah, yeah so that wasn't your footage that was it, him it filming was, himself it was him filming himself exactly yeah i guess they need wind those guys, or no? I mean, some of them have like a kite no, surfing. No, no, they're self-propelled. Yeah, they're self there's, I think there's oh, a couple. Right. I, again, I'm not an expert on it, but I, from the footage I've seen, some of them need wind. Some of them, the ones that I see on the beach, are never using an additional power source like wind. It's just them on top of it, and they're just whizzing through. So it's it's definitely something that. Um, is a unique injury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you are. So in terms of the most activity that you see from beachgoers is, is would be the paddle boarding. Is that right? Uh, it depends on the beach that you're at. Uh, yeah. Down in south, um, in the south near San Diego, North County, you're getting a lot of surfer encounters. Yeah. Um, down there is probably the easiest place to film great white sharks with humans. It's honestly, you just put a drone up and you're going to see sharks around surfers almost every single time. It's, um, which beach is in, that? That's down in, uh, San Diego, San Diego oh, County, so San Diego. in North okay. County. Yeah. Um, it's a very easy place to film great white shark encounters with surfers. But, uh, to get back to your question, yeah, the, the paddle borders in specific beaches are much more, um, visible. Yeah. around sharks because they can actually see sharks and they can actually like, kind of follow the sharks around. Uh, and it just depends on what beach you're at. The, the human activity varies. Yeah. Yeah. You put, you posted a video the other day of this shark eating kelp, which I think that had that behavior hadn't been seen before, had it? Or was that something that had already been known in the, well, you... uh, I'll put it this way. A lot of what I am seeing and documenting is behaviors that have been uh, seen and documented firsthand by the scientific community. Yeah. It's not necessarily something that the public has seen uh, because, you know, Shark Week and the discovery shows and all that stuff, they don't necessarily focus on those air quote mundane kind of natural shark behaviors. They want yeah. the more drama, more dramatic kind of footage. I'm intrigued by those kind of everyday behaviors more so. So that's what drives yeah. me. Um, honestly, filming humans with sharks, yeah, it's dramatic. And yes, I include that in some of my footage, but it's the most intriguing and joyful to film the sharks just being sharks. So the, and their the natural element yeah. is something they've done always. It's just yeah. that we've never had somebody just showing the world. Having footage of it, yeah. Yeah. So what would be some other behaviors that you witness frequently when there's no one else around but the sharks or their encounters with the natural wildlife there? Um, you know, uh, two days ago, I filmed probably one of the best uh, 
pieces of footage I've ever captured of great white sharks with dolphins. Oh man. It's my next video that I'm hopefully going to release Thursday or Friday of this week. Yeah. But, um, I, it's basically seven great white sharks versus a dozen dolphins. No standoff. It's a stand. It's basically a standoff. They just go head to head. Um, seven great white sharks surround a pod of 12 dolphins. Um, it's a very, very just beautiful encounter. It's not yeah. violent. It's not excellent. You know, the, the sharks seed way make, you know, they, they, they give way to the dolphins and, and then the dolphins start playing with the sharks. And I've got the encounter all recorded where, Oh my you goodness. Got a couple dolphins. It's decide that, Hey, look at this shark and they chase it in circles and then they give up. And then the shark will go behind the dolphin and try to chase a dolphin. And then another dolphin comes up behind it and scares that shark away. It's a true encounter in the natural world. It's beautiful. When did you catch this? Uh, last weekend. You must have been buzzing when you saw that. That was the first time you've ever seen that sort of encounter with them playing. Um, with them playing in that close, yeah, vicinity. We're talking about, you know, dolphins getting within a meter of a great white shark and yeah. turning their you know head and looking at them. And it's, it's really interesting behavior. I'm sure it's always happened, but it, again, it's one of those things you don't necessarily see on those no. shark week shows. It's, it's something that um, is much more natural than, you know, than towing a, a, a fake seal and seeing a shark jump, which is dramatic, it's, but it's just not natural. No. So what does, Younger dolphins, juvenile dolphins as well. The sharks would have been. No, those are full-grown adult dolphins. And and it's juvenile great whites. Yeah, I'd say most of the sharks are the same size or smaller than the dolphin. Um, what? The, the there is a couple sharks that are larger than the dolphins, but yeah, in general the behavior was the same. You have the. When the larger shark comes into the picture, the dolphins don't necessarily change their behavior. In fact, yeah, the exactly. closest they ever come to a shark was on the bigger shark. Wow. And I, that's also a strange behavior for great whites to be in sort of a pod. Like, I don't even know what you call it. Multiple sharks in one. That's not normal behavior, is it? Or is it? Uh, it is for juveniles. For juveniles, you know, okay. Yeah, from what I've observed it's normally the juvenile sharks that will form what are called like loose aggregations they get they come together or loose associations they'll yeah. come together in a group in a nursery area that provides them shelter um, warm water and uh, plentiful food so they all come to this yeah. one area to to partake in that situation yeah and then um as they get older they start be, they, they're more individual so yeah, uh, there's still a lot that we don't know about sharks, but there's a lot that we know. And we know that they are more individualistic as older adults. Yeah, but there are cases of them possibly working together. So it's the research is always ongoing with these things. It's, it's yeah, cool. I mean, I've seen photographs of like large aggregations of hammerhead sharks like that's something that you see and I guess reef sharks as well. But like. That, that well the common notion is like of great whites is that they're just like the solitary hunter they don't need anyone around them and so that's also kind of like to hear you say oh there were seven great whites and they're kind of like <laughs> it's like it's mind-blowing for me like you have all these preconceived notions of things that you think you know but and i think that's also probably what you're providing all these scientists with your footage them going oh well we've kind of been hypothesizing that this is the way they are and you're like nah this is actually and you show them direct footage so this in terms of this shark project you're working on now can you reveal anything about that or is that, a, is that uh, something that's no funny? no there's a, there's no way i can talk too much about it it's um in the shark world you're probably going to see something coming out in the next i would say in the next month maybe yeah that um, will change everything what yeah and but i i you know i didn't capture it it's just i'm part of the project with it but yeah um just just be uh, patient you'll you'll see something that um i can tell you has never been seen before 
over and beyond the what was it last year? The they came up with they found proof of seals, elephant, well, monk seals attacking and eating sharks. That came out of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's um. Yeah, this is bigger. <laughs> oh my goodness! Any hint? No, I'm not going to oh, push you on that. Not that. Uh, so I, that... Wish, I would. I wish I would have filmed it. Um, yeah, you know, frankly, filmed it, but it's um, it's going to be very, very exciting. Oh, so good. Um, what was I going to say? There was footage. I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, where you. You went and accompanied Adam Skolnick, who's also a mutual friend of ours. Can you remember that when you he when he went ocean swimming and you accompanied him? Oh, yeah, I hang out with him often at the beach. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a cool guy, and he does his morning swims. So I just hit him up one day and said, "Hey, you know what? I'd like to just film and see if, the, if there's anything around you while you're swimming." And um, sure enough, both times I went out. The first two times I went out there. With him, I, I filmed um, white sharks in, in yeah. his uh, vicinity. Yeah, and you had this type of communication with them as well because you said if I do spot anything close to you, you'll move the drone, something like that. You move it up and down. Yeah, yeah. In, in fact, I, that's what I do with folks. You know, this past weekend I did the same thing. There was a guy out there swimming. He was doing what looked like maybe a hundred meter swim beyond yeah. the breakers and he'd swim back just parallel to the beach. He kept doing these swims, just working out. Yeah. And I filmed him. I filmed a, a white shark, take a little bit of an interest in him and come very close to him. He had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and when he came back in the water, I, out of the water, I showed him the footage and told him, look, you see my drone near you. There's a shark, not under the drone, but the shark's probably between me or between the drone and you. Yeah. And so, so the the advice you give them is always to basically turn around and just tread water. Yeah, yeah. If they see the shark fin, they have to keep the, you know, good practice. Always just try to keep the fin in, in front of you. Don't let it get behind you. Yeah. Because that, yeah, yeah. And have you ever encountered sort of more sketchy, you know how the shark, the bump sometimes happens where a shark will come and it'll just bump either paddle board like what would you do in a situation like that i mean luckily you probably haven't i haven't but i i do no. you know i can be up front and tell you that it's always in the back of my head that you know some these are apex predators so they're unpredictable yeah. by nature um and in most cases there's probably no way i can tell somebody who's out in the water it's just impossible no uh, i am not in that close every time i, I wish the sharks were just a hundred meters away from me every time, but they're not, I have to swim a good, uh, not swim. I have to fly at least a half mile. Most of the yeah. time to find a shark. Yeah. I suppose you, even putting a siren on there, it's not like there's going to be any big difference. They're still in the water. So it's almost better that they don't know because they're not panicking and they're not exuding right. any types of behavior. And yeah, but the thing with yeah. sharks too is is on these beaches you get you get folks who go in the water right next to a sign that says shark sighted enter at your own risk. And yeah, I would say, and I work with county officials often. I'll tell I'll send them, tell them, hey, there's there's a big shark here. Um yeah. you know, two months ago I filmed a, a really, really big shark near a dead whale carcass, and there are surfers in the water. And I talked to state parks and they put up a sign just to let people know. But, you know, beyond that, I, I, I don't feel that it's my responsibility to be yelling shark to everybody on the beach. No. Yeah, you're right. With, with, with um, I'll, I'll put the caveat in there that when it's reasonable, I'll do it, but I can't go to the beach and just film a mile, two miles away from me and, feel like it's my duty to have to warn everybody on the beach, especially when there's yeah. a sign saying enter at your own risk. You're entering <clears throat> at your own risk. Exactly. Um, yeah. Beyond that, you, I'm just filming with the drone. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not your public duty to, especially if there's signs there and they all, everyone knows the minute they go in there. So 
And there's big I mean, signs. They put the signs. They put the signs up on the beaches with sharks when they're sighted, when yeah. there's aggressive behavior, or like a dead whale carcass. You don't want to go swimming or surfing next to a dead whale carcass. No. Which, you know, I film surfers next to a dead whale carcass. Now, if there's a shark near that surfer and that surfer is a half mile away from me, how am I to tell somebody that there's a shark near him when he shouldn't have been in there to begin with, right? Exactly. Um, you know, or not shouldn't have been. He should have at least considered the possibilities before going in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so that footage that you released like three, four weeks ago about quite graphic footage of the shark eating the dolphin. Did yep. you catch that encounter? Did you, the actual hunt or? Uh, no, I didn't. I got there on the second bite. So the very first footage I recorded of it, there was already a big bite on the side of that dolphin. Yeah. And so um, with all the expert input I've got on the matter. Uh, it's more than likely that dolphin was sick or dead yeah. already by the time the sharks got it. Okay. Yeah. Is it so from a technical perspective, like a shark catching a dolphin is unlikely in terms of maneuverability? Uh, I say unlikely. Most of the shark experts that I've actually talked to, um, they, they find shark, uh, they find dolphin parts in shark stomachs all the time. Okay. It, it's yeah. a well-known thing that sharks do eat dolphins. It's just been, you know, it's it's always been kind of known among the scientific community. Yeah. You know, in the Mediterranean, where the sharks have to rely on a different little type of diet, that that is one place where it's definitely been documented that okay. uh, sharks will eat dolphins. That was going to be my next question in terms of you were saying that the area around Southern California there is kind of like this sort of Eden for juvenile sharks. And in terms of food, like what would be the staple? I mean, do you, is it seals for the, the juvenile sharks or is it mainly fish? So juvenile sharks, they actually don't, um, don't have the teeth developed fully yet to be able to take down uh, big mammals. Yeah. So we're talking seals, sea lions, things like that. Yeah. Um, so the juvenile sharks, they rely mainly on fish and stingrays here in Southern California. Ah, yeah, of course, stingrays. So one thing that I've found very uh, common among where sharks aggregate is it's usually a location with plentiful stingrays. Yeah. So I tell folks, if you're in a, in the water and you see, they have stingray signs on beaches. If you see a sign that says stingrays sh shuffle your feet, best practices for swimming near stingrays, you're likely going to be around a juvenile white shark too, because that's, that's their food source, their main food source down here. From what I have observed and yeah. the experts I've talked to, mainly stingrays. Yeah. So, um... Have you uh, caught an encounter between a shark and a stingray? I've got plenty of encounters with sharks and stingrays. Um, getting the actual attack is very tough because, one, they usually dive into the water for it. So yeah. I, I haven't seen the sharks grab a stingray that's just been free-floating, basically, at yeah. the surface. But I have seen sharks take a dive, stick their nose into the buried stingray and grab them that way. Wow. Um, and then most of the feeding, I would say, happens in the early morning or at dusk or nighttime. Okay, yeah, and that's impossible to film. I, I was going to ask how deep, when you're filming, and let's say you get the most optimal day with the most optimal uh, water level and not choppy, how deep does your visibility go with the drone? It all depends on water, the conditions, yeah. the tide, how much sediment's in it. That's why it just, you know, one day could be crystal clear. The next day it could just, the tide will bring in some muck and algae. Yeah. And it just, it's amazing how much the ocean changes daily. Yeah. 
So in an ideal, how deep do you reckon you go? Because, I mean, you catch footage of a couple of these sharks when you see the silhouettes where it does look like they must be a couple of meters under the Oh, surface. yeah, I've seen sharks that I, I've sometimes, man, he's about to beach himself. I've seen sharks that shallow. Um, <laughs> Amazing. It's, there, it's very, very common to see them that way. I would say most of the stuff I'm filming is somewhere in the 100-meter range from the beach. Yeah. And uh, and closer. No, I mean in terms of the depth of the water, how how far your camera can catch the shark being underwater. Oh, okay. That all depends on the visibility from above and the angle of yeah. the light. So, you know, around three p.m., two p.m. when the sun isn't directly ahead, but when the sun is at an angle and a little high, I can get the sun behind the drone. That's when I can see into the water the best. Ah, okay. So when it's yeah, almost behind you at that angle because the camera angle how is it can you manipulate that as well the way the camera is oriented on the drone so the, the way i fly the drone is very um I, I fly the drone and simultaneously move the camera ah the okay time. so i i try my pet peeve is jerky shaky drone footage yeah, I want to make it as cinematic as possible. So I have really tried to hone in my skills of controlling the camera simultaneously with the drone so that when a shark is moving left to right, I'm not necessarily moving the drone left to right. I'm moving the camera left to right along with the drone so it's smoother. Wow. Shit. So that's almost like a piano player playing both different hands. So do you have two different keypads for that then i guess you must do one for the um, camera one for yeah, the you have, a, you have a, a a wheel for the camera that goes up and down which is the yeah. you know so you can tilt up and down with it so i i'm very very into using the tilt of the camera as a substitute for moving the drone so yeah and i'll do them simultaneously helps me keep the shark in frame instead of just moving the drone and also I would say 95% of all drone footage is a straight down view. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed, everybody just likes to point the camera straight down and fly straight over the subject. Yeah. I think unless you're trying to show a broad picture, and I did this with the with the 12 dolphins and the, and the seven sharks recently, where you want to show that broad picture from above. Yeah. I think that's the only time I like to fly with the camera straight down. Typically, yeah. I don't fly with with an angle that's straight down it's boring and i think it's just not amateur but it's very static yeah um but if 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 you fly at an angle looking into the the action you get a little bit more of a 3d perspective which is much more cinematic yeah 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 definitely and so you see lots of juvenile great white footage are there any other shark species? Like you talked about cookie cutters, but I guess you don't really film them because they're at the bottom. Any other shark species that you frequent um, in that area? Yeah, there's actually there's leopard sharks, which is some of my favorite sharks to film. They're just beautiful. And then when they gather in aggregations, it's by the hundreds. So yeah, those leopard sharks are very beautiful here. Um, recently, I was down in Baja, California, and in one of the lagoons, I want to say I was six miles inland or five, six miles inland. And I filmed about a seven foot shark, about seven miles inland. Now, it's not a bull shark. Yeah. I'm still trying to identify what the shark is. Honestly, I just I need to send it out to some scientists to make sure. They so in a river or what? In a it's a lagoon. Yeah. I was there filming gray whales is what I was doing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, the. The great Seven white miles. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. 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 About six miles in. Yeah. And so it's very, very far inland in this giant lagoon. And yeah. so it's somewhere you wouldn't think to see a seven foot shark, but no. I filmed one there. Uh, I don't know what kind it is, but it is definitely a, a, a large shark. Yeah. Um, I'm filming Mako sharks here in a couple of weeks. Going to jump in the water with some Makos and film them. Awesome. Uh, in, uh, further out. That's for they be Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Spaha is is that the Sea of Cortez? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the, my favorite books I ever read was John Steinbeck's 
the logbook of the Sea of Cortez. Have you ever read that one, Carlos? No, no, not, yeah. Not. Um, yeah, he just details it beautifully, the entire environment. I think he's on a fishing boat down there. Um, so you got leopard sharks, but any great whites and leopard sharks interacting? I guess not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see them together really? often. Um, the leopard shark is on the menu for these juvenile white sharks. So, yeah. Uh, that's you'll see leopard sharks with stingrays very often. So that's one thing that that when I'm filming, I'm always looking for because if there's leopards and stingrays, there's likely going to be a white shark nearby. Yeah. What? So the leopards and the stingrays just hanging out together, not necessarily. Yeah, it's beautiful. They all hang out together. They like you know will not interact directly with each other, but they're such close close vicinity to each other that um yeah you know ignoring each other basically yeah yep and so when you go down to like baja to to film the gray whales was that something that you did out of your own impetus or would there be people going oh carlos we want you to go down and get us some footage like do do you do projects like that for yeah yeah i definitely do um uh you know branding projects cooperative projects if it's the right project that is um it is not necessarily a product i don't do product stuff necessarily unless it's a product that i use directly that i believe in um that's photography or shark related yeah but um yeah the the baja california thing was uh with a company called baja expeditions and nautilus Nautilus liveaboards so they're they are two companies in baja that um offer ecotourism trips, great white shark, uh, cage diving uh, experience with the gray whales, things like that. So I just went down there to get some content for them. And they're a fabulous company, by the way. They they do um, run a local operation, though, even though they're they're not locally owned, they employ um, everybody employed there is is local and and loves awesome. So it's it's an yeah. awesome company. That's the type of company you want to promote. Uh, what about in terms of like academic research? Like you said, you're in contact with a lot of scientists and stuff. Are they ever like, oh, listen, we're speculating about this type of behavior. Can you go through your footage and let us know? Like, is there that type of yeah? I've got exchange? quite a few. Um, <clears throat> I've got quite a few of the um, PhD candidates that I work with that I supply them a, a file of, of yeah. images and, and footage that they oh, can use awesome. their study. And it's, um, you know, it ranges from uh, shark behavior and injury recovery abilities um, yeah. that I did last year. There was a paper published, I'm credited in, uh, yeah. to, um, there's a university of um, Iceland in Denmark are working yeah. on uh, hydrodynamics of uh, mammals and sharks. Yeah. So fluid dynamics, basically. And so wow. the footage that I capture from above that shows the dorsal fin sticking out of the top leaves a specific imprint that they can put into an algorithm on their computer that kind of maps out the motion of it. So Wow. Th- there's... There's things like that that I'm involved in. Um, you know, the Shark Lab here at Long yeah. Beach, uh, here in California, Long Beach State Shark Lab is—they've um, been very good to me. I'm, I'm always in contact with them. Give yeah. them kind of a scouting report on beaches. A, a count, you know, I counted ten sharks that are untagged, and you know, they—they. They, I don't take credit for giving, you know, for being so monumental in what they're doing, but. I do, you know, maintain contact with them because they're a fantastic resource down here in Southern California. Yeah. What are they affiliated with Shark Lab? University of California. Yeah, they're the Cal- uh, Long uh, California State Long Beach. California State, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, photographs from Iceland. So was that when project when you went down? Oh, when I went to Iceland? You cut out, I can't hear you. Test one two. Wonder. 
I think you can hear me. Okay, so uh, when I went to Iceland, basically Iceland is my favorite place to go to in the world. I know there's not really a connection to sharks there, unless you consider the Greenland shark. But uh, yeah, yeah, Iceland is a place that I, I, my wife and I, love to go on a yearly basis. Yeah, it's, um, my passion has has been in Northern Lights photography for years, so. I, I absolutely love the Northern Lights. So we'll go to Iceland and Northern Canada and Alaska just to photograph the Northern Lights. Amazing. And so your wife, she's also a photographer. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She is. And, and since we last spoke in December, you... news, didn't you? <laughs> yes. We had our firstborn. I had a son that came uh, on January 12th of this year. He's now uh, just at four months old. And, um, that's the, the biggest journey of my life right now. It's I can imagine. Quite, quite an experience. And, um, he's teaching me a lot more than I ever thought I could, uh, imagine. I uh, learn. Yeah. And he's going to be a water, water boy as well. You take him down to the water, to the ocean yet? Have you taken oh, him in there? He's, yeah. He's at the beach with us all the time. He loves the beach. He likes to be propped up and looking at the waves. When you do your drone flying every now and then, if he feels up for it. Oh yeah, yep. In fact, yeah. he sleeps so much better at night when he goes to the beach in the evening. Oh, amazing. In terms of the future, I mean, we've got this exciting news coming out in the shark world. But any other projects that you can reveal to us? No, I'm growing. The YouTube channel slowly but steadily. I, I started a Patreon page, so the, okay. My goal is to try to hit some other places. I want to go up to Cape Cod uh, this summer. Um, I want to go down to Australia, definitely South Africa. But yeah. um, you know, that's why I started the Patreon so that maybe can get some additional funding so I can make those trips and hopefully uh, come up with some scientific um, video and photos from those areas. Um, you'll see a few of my, uh, appearances this year on Nat Geo and, um, a couple other channels on TV this summer. So, um, yeah, they're just can't <coughs> excuse me. They're just cameos. And, yeah. um, yeah, that's about all I've got going on right now. We'll see. I was going to say, I would love to have you come down to New Zealand, Carlos, because I mean, oh, we've yeah. got Stewart Island here, which is Rakiora, you call it in Maori, and it's one of the largest great white shark breeding grounds. And that's where they did a lot of those aerial great white jumping out of the water footage. It's, yeah, it's an incredible um, island with some of the largest great whites. So, and I know a lot of scientists that work here. I'm one of my just got his PhD um, filming well exploring blue shark migratory behavior. So if we can set something up along that way, I'll share your Patreon as well with people. And cause that would, that's never been done before. Like drone footage. There's a passage between the South Island of New Zealand and Stewart Island. Mm -hmm. That's only like 20 meters deep. Oh, and wow. that's where these great white sharks, they swim between the, um, but there's never been anyone who's done any drone footage. So I think that would be something super exciting to get you on board with and maybe see if we can get the University of Otago, which is a big research university mm -hmm. down in Dunedin. Have you ever been to New Zealand? Only on a stopover. I was on my okay. way to Brisbane, and, but that was 20-something years ago. And um, I, I really want to go to New Zealand. Um, if, you're, if you'll be my guide, I'll definitely plan a trip oh, down there. Oh, <laughs> 100%, Carlos, 100%. Um, okay, I'm going to let you go now because I've you've been so patient with me and the number of times this is cut out. Um, I'd love to have you back. In the meantime, yeah, maybe after this footage gets released and we can then I can have you back and we can discuss it. But I'm yeah. definitely going to look for ways we can get you down here, Carlos. Like, it would be great. I live in a beautiful part of New Zealand as well, the top of the South Island. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's I'm you sold. and your whole. You're so. <laughs> what about young your your son? Would that be okay to bring him along? Oh yeah, we're going to Brazil later this year. So wow. Um, yeah, he's, he's gonna be 
used to the traveling already he he gets in the car with us and we go to the beach and um our goal is to get him used to travel because that's been part of our lives for a a long time is there is there a connection to brazil you for you personally well my wife is from brazil yeah she's brazilian yeah Yeah, exactly awesome so we're gonna have you on soon again carlos i can't wait to I'm a little bit upset that I can't find out what this footage is, but I guess you're the master of suspense in that sense. I can just tell you, I wish I shot the footage. It's incredible. (laughs) And um, amazing. We'll um, hopefully, you know, he's a friend of mine who hopefully we get it released the proper way. And it's not um, something that the media takes out of context. Okay, I, now I'm getting a little bit more of an insight into what it might be. Amazing, Carlos. Have a great day filming, and I hope you're... Thank Soon. you. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Nice Bye-bye. one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, Namihi Tefano. Thank you so much for listening hope you enjoyed that podcast with Carlos as much as I did. I could have talked to him for hours, but as you can tell, some of the technical difficulties and everything, I didn't want to keep him from getting out and filming more sharks that afternoon in California. So um, as promised, we're going to have him back on the show after this great news gets released and have him talking about some more of his encounters. He is, yeah, one of a kind, so dedicated and so um, involved in all environmental aspects, like you heard with the hydrofoils, footage that could potentially limit the amount of activity going on in the oceans with these massive human-propelled surf objects that could potentially pose a danger to juvenile sharks, which we obviously don't want. Um yeah i've got other podcast guests coming up i still got dr andrea triton the lead educator on um science and conspiracy theories from new zealand schools and a couple of other really interesting guests coming up but yeah i'm gonna have carlos back on and hopefully we'll be able to do a live podcast once he comes and visits new zealand and yeah I think you'll agree with me. What a great guy. I'm going to put his Patreon link in the podcast show notes. So if you could go on there and support him, anything for sharks. And yeah, so many of you who know me, that's one of my pet passion projects is sharks. And yeah, for me, I was just giddy like a child in this recording. And I hope it was good, barring all technical difficulties. I hope you managed to gain some enjoyment out of it. So much love. Aroha nui. Have a great week and talk soon.